0: This would have been
1: opening day in Major League Baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays hosting the Pirates at Tropicana Field. Well, like all sports, baseball is postponed for the COVID-19 pandemic until we can get a handle on that. But which players or teams will the interruption affect the most? And we'll talk about some of the other interruptions in the game's history with Mark Topkin, who covers the Rays for the Tampa Bay Times on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick, Okay, Mark Topkin joins us uh, now, and Mark, under any other circumstance, except for the 100 year pandemic, we would be talking about this being opening day in baseball. Of course, it's not that, and in fact, we're not really sure when opening day will be, and for that matter, we want to make sure we, we hope that there will be baseball and other sports here soon. Um, but you know, just just take me through because uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you when, when all of this transpired. I know when when news of uh, COVID-19 and its spread kind of broke out uh, and they decided to, uh, to suspend baseball and, and, and spring training in particular, that the original idea was those guys would kind of stay in place for a while. Maybe some players would have to travel. But how did it evolve from that from a player's perspective to, to what they have now, which is more or less a complete shutdown?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what happened, Rick, and it it was just amazing at how quickly things changed. And and I know everyone probably involved in in this uh, from wherever, whatever part of their life was touched by it would, would have a similar story to tell. But, yeah, I mean, in the course of 48 to 60, 64, 72 hours, I mean, somewhere in that window, baseball went from. Uh, everything's normal to it's gonna be a little weird. We're not gonna let the media in the locker room, but we're still gonna do everything we normally do to the Rays were in the middle of a spring training game when MLB sent out a release saying that spring training was now suspended at four o'clock. And their game was literally still going at four o'clock, and we were everyone was kind of looking around like is this it? Or like is they gonna just stop playing at four? They actually finished the game because they always like to play three hour plus spring training games. Um, but that was it. I mean, what that essentially meant was the afternoon games, the ones in Arizona wouldn't start. But So all that happened in like a three-day period, and it was really weird and how quickly it happened. And then, uh, as you said, so then the players were told kind of hang loose for a few days. Uh, The Rays kept the facility open. That was on a Thursday. They had a meeting that Friday morning uh, with their players. I sat outside in my car outside the parking lot entrance, saw the players leave like 15 minutes later, called a couple. They're all like Nobody really knows. We don't even know what's happening. Uh, They told us to come back Saturday if we want. So some guys came back Saturday, worked out. They did that for three or four days. Um, Got a really big turnout on Monday, which was the day they got their expense money. Got about 10 guys on Tuesday. And by then, uh, a couple teams that already announced they were shutting their facilities down. A couple kind of like the Rays were saying, well, we'll kind of wait and see. A couple were saying, we're going to stay open because we want to win, like the Yankees said and looked foolish for doing so. Um, and then everybody shut down. I think I think what it was was ultimately the union insisted that the players have a place to work out, which I understand. They're supposed to look out for their players, for their uh, members, and they didn't want guys that were in you know unfamiliar cities or not their regular home cities to suddenly be stranded and not have any place to go, and the logic being the safest place to go should be the team facility. You've got medical care, you've got Uh, professional standards of cleanliness and disinfectants and all those kind of things and the Rays were definitely doing all that but I think eventually the teams realized okay, maybe that all makes sense but on the other hand, why are we allowing groups of people to gather here? That's what you're not supposed to do and The chances of, you know, when you think of all the people over the course of a day that were involved in, you know, a spring training that come in and out of the clubhouse and the trainer's room and the weight room and the food room and all the people in that facility and where everyone had come from and everyone they had all come in contact with, it kind of suddenly made sense. No, this is the worst idea to let people still come into the facility. So they limited access and then finally they shut it down. So, you know, three days from normal to stop play. And then about four more days, five more days after that, two facilities shut down. And yet here we are on opening day. uh, And there's still some raised players that are in Port Charlotte that it basically, you know, didn't have a place in St. Pete to move to, didn't want to go back to their homes. Uh, So they're staying in Port Charlotte and they're working out and, you know, Some guys going fishing and doing what they can to stay busy, but it's just the weirdest thing ever multiplied by 10 times.
1: I'm trying to figure out, and there is no start to the season, but surely it's going to have an impact on it, right? It's going to be an abbreviated season at best if there is one, and I think you could say that about all sports that might still be remaining. Even the NFL is uncertain, which wouldn't start until September. But but for the players, uh, you know, However, whenever they have a restart, assuming that this is, you know, going to happen sooner than later, um, or sometime this year, who's it going to affect? I mean, in, in in essence, you've lost the building up of arms, right? I mean, there's only so much throwing guys can do on the side. I would imagine um, there would have to be some sort of of a of a practice restart, would there not?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, there would be, and, and there, there's lots of things that lots of people are floating out there, and and you know how how many are valid, how many MLB is seriously considering, how many are just people like, like Mark and Steve and Rick suggesting and floating and saying in on the air and in a Twitter, and people are picking up on. But talking to some players, talking to some people uh, with the team, uh, talking to some people with some other teams it it really sounds like there's going to be a whole bunch of ideas and no one's quite sure what's going to work. I mean, I think the couple of things you could probably safely assume are whenever uh, baseball gets some idea of what the start date for the regular season would be, they would still need two or three weeks to bring players in for like another spring training. I mean, whether it's, you know, in their spring facilities, whether it's in their regular facilities, maybe MLB just does a group camp. I mean, I don't know, um, but I think that, at the minimum, two to three weeks is going to be necessary just to get guys back in shape, specifically the pitchers, as you say. They're the ones that are going to be the most concerned about. Uh, but also guys that, you know, are, we're used to doing certain baseball activities that haven't been doing them for what at that point could be six or eight or ten weeks or so. So I think that's one thing you can be sure of. I think another thing is you'll see when they do, and if, if slash when they do resume play, there'll be expanded rosters I think that's what happened uh, coming out of the uh, lockout in ninety four ninety five when they resumed play. And a lot of players were here in St. Pete area uh, working out, waiting for them to get going. And I think they resumed with like three extra roster spots, which will be pitchers, because that way there won't be as much need or, or uh, any type of pressure on a pitcher to have to go five or six innings when in the first time out, which would really be the equivalent to about his third or fourth spring training start at best. So that's something you can bank on. And probably a third thing that's pretty much definite that's going to happen is they will be uh, the season will be pushed. It'll be backloaded. In other words, sir, or, or that's the right word. Whatever the official end date of the season was going to be September 27th, they will play beyond that. So whether they start June 1st, July 1st, whatever it is, I think you'll see them tack a couple weeks at least of regular season play. On to that, and then the playoffs will just start later in the year. Now, whether they have all the rounds of the playoffs, do they cut a round out so they can play more? Because obviously more regular season games is more money for every team, whereas more playoffs is more money for the group. But, you know, what what are owners going to want? I think owners are going to want as many home dates as they can get because they've got, you know, staff and bills to pay and merchandise to sell and hot dogs and all that stuff. So I, I think you'll see some kind of combination there added on. I have seen some extreme ideas floated, including they play all the way, and I'm sure the NFL would love this. Baseball plays all the way into November and then hold hold the World Series at a neutral site. They Mm. pick, you know, whether it's L.A. or San Diego or the new Texas stadium. I I don't think the trop would make it, but that would be, you know, but that idea—a domed or warm weather stadium, Miami, sure, somewhere like that, where you just say these are unusual circumstances. We're sorry. You know, but this is how it's going to have to be. It's going to be a Super Bowl type setting. We're going to play a neutral site World Series this year because it's going to be November 20th. And that's how it's going to have to be. So there's all kinds of things floating around. But I think those three basic uh, points I hit on, you know, at the start of this rambling answer, which was, you're going to see a two- to three-week spring training. You're going to see some extra roster spots. You're going to see some regular season games added to the back end of the schedule. And, and you know, do they pick it up where it was? Let, let's say, just pick pick a day. Let's say June 15th because it's Wade Boggs' birthday and my wife's birthday. So I kind of remember that one, of course, for her birthday, not his. But mm-hmm. say they start on June 15th. Do they just pick up the schedule where every team was on June 15th and play out the one they have? Because logistically, you know, they have hotels, they have the stadiums available i mean there's not too really any conflict stadiums anymore but you know you have that set up so pick it up where it was and just play that out and then figure out what to add on or do you say well that's not going to be fair let's draw a new schedule cut out interleague play cut out uh interdivision play just make it all intra-division play i mean what you know what are they going to do so i think there's a couple different scenarios that could be part of that is it 80 games is it 100 games is it 120 games or how many can they fit in
1: And Mark, I would assume, you know, depending on what they decide, I mean, things like the All-Star Game, for example, which is a big event, might have to go by the side too, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. And that's also in L.A., which I think kind of would go to that theory that I I said some people were floating that they would, you know, award the World Series to a neutral site. Um, Yeah. You know, that would be a little bit of a give back for the people of L.A. if they lose the All-Star Game, although... I can only imagine how much yelling there would be if it were to be the New York Yankees versus the Dodgers in the World Series and the neutral site turned out to be Dodger yeah. Stadium.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that wouldn't go over too I mean, well that, with Not you. that
0: the Rays or, you know, Twins or, or Angels wouldn't have a right to complain either, but I just have a feeling it would be a little bit louder if it was the Yankees who had a play there and would be the ones complaining.
1: Yeah, that would be incredible. Um, you know... Are there I mean, look, there's some players closer to the end of their careers than the beginning. And then there's some that we're looking forward to launching their careers. I mean, how disruptive is this if you're, say, uh, a guy that may not play beyond this season and, and, um, you know, uh, somebody that, that might take a little time? I mean, if you're Charlie Morton, is this is this more disruptive than normal or no?
0: Yeah. I mean, Charlie Moore is an interesting example because I talked to him at the start of spring training and he you know, basically said he didn't know if he was going to play beyond this year. This might be his last year. It would depend how he did and how he felt. And then he's mm-hmm. about as much of a family guy as I've ever met as far as a pro athlete and you know what his wife thought. And they have four kids, all seven and under. So your house isn't the only hectic one at breakfast time, Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um But just, you know, does this impact if he doesn't play, if they don't play this year, they only play half a season. You'd think that would make him want to play another season or do you just and this is totally hypothetical. If anybody's picking up on part of this, this is not me saying this is what Charlie Morton's thinking. Just me making this up as we go here. But yeah, do you kind of get comfortable not playing? Do you? Yeah. Okay, I'm kind of fun. It's it's kind of cool being Mr. Dad and obviously he's not dropping the kids off at school, but he's, you know, they've got a big house and a big piece of property and, you know, they're staying busy and he's hanging out and he loves being around his kids. Do you get kind of comfortable in that mindset? And, you know, I think the converse of what you were saying was what about somebody who's just about to make it to the big leagues? I mean, you know, the Rays don't have necessarily a a true rookie who's going to make the team to make his big league debut this year. I mean, Yoshi Tsutsugo, I don't, I don't count him because he played 10 years in Japan first, but you know, Brendan McKay he kind of was up and down a little bit last year he probably won't make the big league team at the start of the season or wasn't going to this year but you know this is a pretty big year for Brendan McKay and you know what what what's the career arc how does that change for somebody like that and like I said there's some other teams that have guys that are true rookies coming up that you know this was going to be their first time in the big league so it's going to impact people in so many different ways and you know, one thing that will be interesting to see, and it's probably going to drag on for a while, but, you know, what kind of agreement do the players and the owners come to on pay, on service time, on right. incentive clauses, on pen, um, vesting options? I mean, things that are tied to games played, things that are tied to days in the big leagues, things that are tied sure. to plate appearances, innings pitched. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, you and I and Steve would sit here and think, yeah, they're all it's millionaires fighting with millionaires. Who cares? But there's so many parts of this uh once it gets figured out. And then not just in baseball. I mean, you're going to have the same questions in football. I mean, I think this new Brady dude, what's his name? Tom Brady. I mean, he has some clauses in his contract that that pay off by how far he gets the team and there's other players who have contracts by you know what they do as far as yards and passes and completions and points and all kinds of things it's just going to get you know the, the 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 string that will have to be you know rewound on this if and when we get back to normal and again this is still all secondary but the string that got to be unwound on all this for sports is just going to be remarkable
1: you know there's been very few pauses uh, in sports uh, throughout the years and certainly uh, in baseball you were a big part of a couple of them, actually. Um, and just kind of take me through your experiences. I know we could probably do shows on each one of these, but, you know, going back as far as 1989, the World Series, you had the earthquake in San Francisco. Nobody knew what would happen after that. And then also 9-11, where they, where they you know broke for at least one week.
0: Yeah, and, and both those, you know, again, there was some significant uncertainty, but I, I don't think... In retrospect, I mean, the earthquake was was incredibly scary, especially being a Florida guy, New York guy, and a Florida guy who, at Cal State Park that night, I looked at somebody and I said, man, it feels like the bleachers are shaking, like you're at like a high school football game, you know, where everyone's all stomping their feet, and, yeah. and without giving you the middle word, one of the California writers said, no, dude, it's a blanking earthquake, mm. and I was like... Mm that's pretty scary now that i found out what it was so that was scary at the time and but you know after a day or so and i spent a couple days out there and and turned news reporter for a couple days after i finally got back to my hotel because i got left there by our other writer (laughs) rest in peace hubert um but you know then it became a matter of okay it's just gonna when are they gonna deem it safe to play again i ended up flying home um and then flew back out when they concluded it about a week or 10 days later. So that was weird, but there was definitely an end date. It's just a matter of when MLB was going to say, okay, let's go. 9-11 was obviously scary initially because of just the uncertainty of, was that, you know, were there more attacks coming? Was there going to be a war? and What was going to happen? And baseball was paused. And, and then obviously a lot of people give a lot of credit to the teams when they resume play. The Mets specifically, a very emotional scene there. Uh, when they started playing baseball again in New York, then the Rays ended up playing the first Yankees home game after uh, it, when play mm. resumed. The, the Mets had already played. It wasn't the first game in New York, but the first Yankees game. And uh, in fact, I remember very, a very, very uh, rare exception to the travel rule. We traveled, the media traveled with the team because they went to Toronto and then to New York, if I remember correctly. And there were some concerns that we wouldn't be able to get in and out of Canada if we went on our own. So the team uh, and, and MLB made, you know, like I said, an exception to their typical rule. We traveled with them to be able to go, and, and that was quite a scene too. But, but again, there was an end date. It was just going to be a matter. At some point, play is going to resume, and it's going to seem normal again. I think that's what's. And then you know the labor stoppages too, if you want to include those. Um, you know, back here, like I said, I know there were Just reading back on the stories. I wasn't here then, but there were some, you know, interruptions earlier in the 81 situation, the 94, 95 situation. I was here and there were players working out at Eckerd college. There were players uh, at different places around the area waiting for the season to get going in 95. So in all those, I guess you just figured it was going to happen sooner than later, but in this one, I don't think anyone knows. I mean, what, what would be sooner? I mean, if, if Rob Manfred was the next caller on your podcast and said, what do you think about June 16th? I think we'd all say, yeah, sure. Okay, great. Just give us a date, and then people have something to look forward to, but nobody knows. That's why I think you raised a good point a few minutes ago. I mean, everything the Bucks are doing with Tom Brady is assuming that they're going to have a regular or close to regular football season, and, you know, that would require OTAs sometime soon, but certainly training camp by mid-July, right? Third week of July? Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would sit here comfortably and make you a bet with any real money that training camp's going to start on time in mid July. No, no,
1: no. And that that's going to be tough for him and for uh, a lot of players and young guys, especially trying to make the team. Even the draft will be affected if they have that normally because they've been unable to bring players in and and you know do their visits or work them out or what have you. So uh, none of the college pro days. You were also part as fate would have it uh, at on Patriots Day in Boston when the marathon yeah. uh, bombing occurred.
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to hang out with me? I mean, I can have natural no, disasters you. No. Right? I don't I don't want to go to a
1: game with you at this point. Especially on the road, I can tell you that. Uh, oh man.
0: Yeah, that was another one and that was that might have been the, the most scared I think I was of of, of this trilogy. I was at the owner's meetings in Milwaukee when 9-11 hit, and I remember Jack Shepard, our former sports editor, called me and said, are you up? And I said, I am now, which was my typical smart aleck answer. And then he said, turn on your TV. And i was Mm. like, why? And then he told me why. And then it was like, whoa, get dressed, go find the commissioner, what's going on, and that kind of thing. And, And like I said, I was at the World Series, and that calmed down, and um the strike was during spring trial, the, the resumption of play after the strike lockout, ninety four ninety five was here in town. But yeah, the bombing in Boston, because, I, I mean, we were, the Rays had lost, it was the Marathon Day game, and we were in the locker room when it actually happened, so didn't really hear it, didn't get a sense right away, came back up, heard sirens, okay, not really sure. And then, you know, it's a fairly big press box, a lot of media there in Boston, obviously, and then words started trickling in and people said, I think this is what happened. We heard this, we heard this. And then somebody put the TV in the press box back on and we all saw. And that was scary because no no one knew what, what it was. The of a bomb went off and, you know, someone said, I'm not going to take credit for thinking the first to say it, but I definitely became worried of, well, if somebody bombed the finish line to the Boston Marathon, if they were bombing Boston Fenway Park, even though it's, been emptied out by now might be on that list too. Like this isn't necessarily the best place to be, you know, it's another landmark here. And, uh, but nobody could tell you, you know, nobody had any advice where to go. Things were shutting rapidly, trains, planes, everything was getting shut down. Uh, the hotel I had stayed in that I had checked out of, I had my bag with me that was right at the finish line. So going back there like that, it wasn't like I could just go back to the hotel and check in and wait and see what happened. Like that wasn't an option. So, um, finally, uh, through just some incredible good fortune came out of the stadium. Roger Mooney, who was, uh, worked for us later on, but at that point was with the Tampa Tribune, uh, was, was with me. And he really didn't have any better ideas either. So someone had told us if we walked like a mile and a half, the opposite direction, we could get a train that would take us to the airport that wasn't shut down yet. It didn't go through the main part of town. So we were going to do that carrying giant suitcases and backpacks and computers and probably looking like the two stupidest guys in the street. Uh, and I happened to see the Red Sox PR guy standing next to an SUV. I had known him for a while, Kevin Gregg and just politely went up and said, you know, is that going anywhere that could get us close to the airport or the train station or the bus station or somewhere? Cause we mm-hmm. have no place to go. And it was a player's wife, um, one of the Red Sox players. And he said, well, it's going to the airport. I'll have to check with her. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be up to her. I can't force, you know, I can't force sure. her to say yes. And, she was nice enough to agree so we were able to get a ride to the airport and just stayed there a few hours and then they did resume flights that night and we were able to fly as scheduled to baltimore that night but that was the scared the most scared i think i was cuz i just didn't know I didn't, I didn't know where to go didn't know what to do to know what was going to happen next
1: crazy
0: Well, this
1: is certainly something that that uh, none of us know the ending to, but uh, baseball will be dealing with it as as will all sports. And um, you know, you, you mentioned Tom Brady. I wanted to go down this road with you just a little bit. Uh, clearly, you know, forty two year old, soon to be forty three year old uh, Super Bowl champion, six times over, and all of that. Pretty unusual destination is Tampa Bay for a player of his pedigree. What well, got me to thinking about what are some of the who are some of the Rays players uh, that you could name? Uh, and Morton might be one of them. Look, he pitched Game Seven in the World Series and won it, uh, even at an advanced age. But uh, guys that uh, that came to Tampa Bay, uh, maybe even late in their careers, that 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 kind of brought a little gravitas, a little bit of of Hall of Fame superstardom uh, to to the organization.
0: Well, I think the the, the uh, most obvious one, and um, the guy who uh, up until. Uh... Whenever Tom Brady actually shows up in uniform will be the the biggest T B twelve and until maybe Brady tops him off that list is Wade Boggs. And no, there you know, you go. guy who grew up in Tampa, obviously, but you know, made his career with the Boston Red Sox. Then he went and played five years for the Yankees and had tremendous success with both those teams. Pretty much, you know, I think had cemented his Hall of Fame status, but didn't have that three thousand hit yet. And he came here, uh came home, came here to the Rays and uh, obviously played the 98 season with them and then in the 99 season got his 3000s hit and, and, you know, had the most dramatic trip around the bases ever and, and yeah. then uh, did go on and get elected to the Hall of Fame. So he's he's the one that jumps out. And I actually talked to him for a story uh, right after the Brady News first broke about, you know, Pro athletes uh, who idolize Tom Brady. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I think you'd put the late Kobe Bryant in that category. You'd put LeBron in that category. You've been in a lot of locker rooms, Rick. There's certain players mm-hmm. in other sports that you can just tell players in the sport you cover idolize. Yeah. And, and I think Tom Brady is in that category by far. And you know, Alex Cobb, the former race pitcher, ha- had a, some great anecdotes about. Uh, his, it's his number one idol. It's the most prized possession he has as an autographed, personalized Tom Brady Jersey. Never met him though. Uh, hmm. but couldn't, couldn't count, couldn't count how many games he's seen him play. Like how many games he'd gone to. I remember the Patriots played down here, I think a few years ago and Cobb had gone home to his home on the other side of the state and came back, I think just for that game. And somebody had a picture of him in his Patriots Jersey and he's like, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, this is like my team. This is Tom Brady. And, um, uh, Rocco Baldelli, another guy who grew up in New England, I talked to him, obviously now the manager of the Twins, but a longtime raised player and coach. And and before mm-hmm. I could even ask, he was giving me one good answer and then I started to interrupt him and he said, Yes, I have a jersey. Everyone has a jersey. <laughs> he just like that's how it is. Everyone has a jersey. Yeah. So just to see that uh, that fame and, and that, you know, kind of acknowledgement among pro athletes and um, you, your your question though with other guys who finished their career here, and there's some guys who finished their career as Rays that you don't really identify with the Rays. Another one who came from Boston too was Manny Ramirez. I mean, he played his last oh, wow. games yeah. in the big league with the Rays. Hideki Matsui played his last games mm-hmm. in the big league with the Rays. So there's a couple guys like that that that, that are really really good players who did 99.9 percent of their accomplishments somewhere else. I think Tom Brady will do you know a fair amount more for the Bucks than. Uh, Hideki Matsui or Manny Ramirez did, but uh, you do see that, and, and you yeah, know, there is some obviously some comfortable things about playing here. I mean, the climate is certainly one, and, and you know, I think that was mentioned on Tom Brady by his his initial conference call on Tuesday. Uh, no state income tax doesn't hurt either when it's a player who comes here of their own volition. But I think in the case of Matsui and Manny Ramirez, it was a really more of an opportunity where they wanted a chance to play, and the Rays were able to give them an opportunity here, you know, just to kind of hang on and try to get one more year in.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating. I'll go back to one more thing uh, with respect to this this pause in in sports and in baseball in particular. Any loss of momentum for, particularly for the Rays? I mean, they're coming off a, you know, and this happened to the Stanley Cup champions in 04 when they had a lockout afterwards in Tampa Bay. But, you know, the Rays are coming off 96-97 wins, of course, uh, took them to game 5 in the ALDS. Um, for a team like that, is there is there more of a of kind of a loss of momentum that you that you get?
0: You know what? I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen a couple lists by some of our colleagues, like, you know, 10 teams that will this won't affect 10, 10 teams this will affect. I I don't know if you can really make that judgment. I mean, I, I, I hate to cop out here, but I, I don't know that it does hurt or not hurt somebody more. I think the teams that it helped uh, had it been a shorter term delay of, of initially MLB thought two weeks Then the next kind of time frame they've given was eight weeks. You know, a team like the Yankees that had three or four of their big name players kind of banged right. up that were not going to be ready to start the season. You know, mm-hmm. I think a short delay uh, would have helped them because they would have now been able to be ready and they otherwise might have missed, you know, two, three, four weeks of play. Uh, but I, I don't know as far as momentum. I think the teams, I'm, I'm guessing that the teams that will do best will be the ones that don't make as big of a deal about this as other ones. Like you'll see when this when and if this resumes and let's say teams are given the option of, you know, they have to supposed to go back to their spring training sites, you know, and Mm -hmm. if it's June and July and some teams are complaining it's too hot and some teams are complaining they shouldn't have to play day games. I mean, I think those are the things that are gonna derail guys. I think this is gonna be an effort where people have to suspend, you know, their their kind of creature comforts and their preferences and just say, Hey, here's what we we're gonna get the opportunity to play this season and we should be happy with that and the teams that minimize the distractions and minimize the issues, I think will be better served by it.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you now it's going to help the Rays. And here's how, when they start playing baseball again, everybody's going to be so damn happy to see it. If they're allowed in the stadium, they're going to come and they're going to come in troves because (laughs) man, we, we, we miss baseball and we miss, uh, we miss sports in general, but Mark Topkin will hopefully have an opening day. We don't know when it'll be, but when that day comes, we'll certainly talk to you in the meantime, uh, I guess you can help out on some some Brady news once in a while, man. I mean, you know, he's hey, the I've gift that got, keeps giving. Uh, let's
0: see, I've got two Brady stories done already, and I've got two <laughs> more Brady stories I'm working. You, see, we've got so much going on. You probably don't even know everything we're doing, but we've got. A, I don't.
1: Uh, I really I've don't. Got,
0: I've got a list of people uh, that you, you'll be a little. This is coming out soon. You'll enjoy this. This is kind of fun because it, it, it was fun to work on. It's almost done. People, you'd be surprised to know Brady is older than.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: It's, it's, it's good. kind of fun. It really it, it was kind of eye-opening in a way. And then some are serious. There's one or two on there that are a little more fun than serious, but that was really educational. And then um I think this coming Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times, barring, you know, the Bucks signing like the greatest defensive player in the game, JJ Watt or something also to go with Brady. We're gonna do. We're gonna look back at a little bit of the Boston-Tampa Bay rivalry over the years, and and, uh, I'm gonna break down the baseball part. Diana Neros is gonna break down the hockey part, and I think Eduardo is gonna chip in a little bit too here. But kind of a team effort at looking at the. Uh, what's already been a pretty, I guess we'll use the hockey phrase, a chippy rivalry here between the boys uh, from Beantown and the Tampa Bay guys in a couple different sports here, and, and this now should add a whole uh, another layer to it. And I know I can tell you one thing on social media, just from the people that follow me, uh, the vast suggestion is whenever the Rays find out what their new schedule is, whatever whatever it looks like. The first time mm-hmm. that they play the Red Sox, is <laughs> right. the day they invite Tom Brady out for the first I, pitch. Not, I knew not that was coming. Day, no, nope, Tom, we don't need the <laughs> opening day. We're good. We're playing the Tigers. We're fine on that one. That's first right. weekend, no, no, no. Yeah. We got the Royals. We're good. But can, can you get over here on a Thursday night at six o'clock? Because we got the Red oh. Sox in town.
1: <laughs> oh man, pull on that Rays jersey, and they will never allow him back back in Boston for sure. He's right. Mark wouldn't Topkin. That, you can read that. Be that. Yeah, you can read all that and much more on the in Tampa Bay on Bay dot com and in the Tampa Bay Times, uh, and don't tell us you don't have time to do it because we know everybody does now. As we <laughs> uh, as we endeavor to do our jobs uh, from remote locations. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: All right, man. Anytime. Stay safe, guys.
1: Can't wait. Cannot wait for baseball to start restart. Boy, it's one of my passions. Has been all my life. So hopefully that'll happen soon with all the other sports as well. In the meantime, stay safe. Of course. Tomorrow, we'll have my former radio partner and longtime columnist of The Times, Tom Jones. We'll continue our conversation with him, this time about the future of former Bucks quarterback, Jameis Winston. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.